middle of the country, but not middle of the road opinions. It's the podcast dedicated to sports in the air capital of the world. I'm going to Wichita. Wichita, Kansas and beyond. With Tommy Castor and Weston Mills, this is Keeper of the Games. Hey, what's up? This is Keeper of the Games. We are the wildly underqualified yet mildly entertaining sports podcast all about sports in the air capital of Wichita, Kansas and beyond. Along with Weston Mills, I'm Tommy Castor back for another episode of Keeper of the Games on this National Dog Day of all days. I mean, we're recording it on National Dog Day. By the time the show goes live, it won't be. But we're celebrating dogs today on the show. Weston, how are things going, man? Good. Uh, can't complain too much on National Dog Day, right? I mean, that's uh, I was telling you before the show, I actually won a uh, some concert tickets on dog trivia. Well, the question wasn't about dogs, but the answer involved dogs. So won myself some tickets for uh, September of 2021. Very nice. <laughs> that's pretty cool. And it had to do with dogs, right? Yeah, that, that's right. The question, I think the question was something along the lines of um, 62% of people find a first date more attractive if they have this item. And the answer was a dog. So fair enough. And I go. believe, I believe that question. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty <laughs> smart, uh, smart move. Congratulations on that. I figured on national dog day, we could at least have a cameo from my dog, Lucy. She's that's kind right. of been squirming. She's been squirming around. She's not going to hang out on my lap for very long. I think she's going to go lay down. Uh, but I think Lucy wanted to say hi here on keeper of the games for national dog day. I also, I've got Miley in the room. People uh, kind of have to move my camera here. She's in her bed. She's not interested in making in a cameo herself. So I'll uh, take the camera <laughs> to her. You know, I think in some cases our dogs might have better opinions on, on things than we do, uh, yeah. but that's okay. We'll, we'll still do a show regardless. Hey, uh, don't forget if you want to listen to this show all the time and get notified whenever we have a brand new episode, all you have to do is just hit that subscribe button. That way, you, again, you'll get a notification anytime we have a brand new episode of Keeper of the Games. You can find us on platforms like iTunes and Google Podcasts. We're also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and many others. That way you won't miss a single episode of Keeper of the Games. Also, don't forget uh, to check us out on Facebook and YouTube. Also, our website at cogpod.weebly.com. You can watch full episodes there. So if you're interested in seeing Lucy and Miley, you can go on to uh, our website or Facebook and YouTube by searching for Keeper of the Games and watching full episodes there. Of course, you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CogPod. That's at K-O-G Pod. So we're done talking about National Dog Day for now. We're done talking about all the ways that you can connect with us. Now it's time to dive in to some sports that affect and impact uh, people here in the air capital of Wichita, Kansas. We're starting with USD 259. So that's been the big topic here in the air capital for the last several days or so about what's going to be happening with the fall sports season for the Wichita Public School District. There's been a lot of controversy surrounding it. If you followed the news in Wichita at all over the last week, surely you have heard about all of this drama about, you know, the, the Board of Education deciding that fall sports were going to be canceled for this season because uh, the criteria is in a certain level as far as in-person learning versus remote learning for the fall semester due to COVID-19. And then it's just kind of exploded from there with parents and students and supporters protesting around the city, trying to get the board to reverse that decision. Uh, and just a lot going on, a lot of back and forth about all of this. Uh, I, there's a lot to unpack 
unpack here with this, Weston. Uh, what were your initial thoughts kind of knowing about how this process has played out over the last week or so? Yeah. So I, I want to start with kind of what the last little phrase you said there, Tommy, is the process, because to me, I, I understand there's going to be opinions all across the board on whether I guess you should play or not play in this and that. But to me, the most disappointing thing with all of this is is the process, right? Is that they did not even give these kids, one, a chance to be heard. Two, the athletic director for the district was supposed to submit a proposal at that meeting, which decisions were made. He didn't even get to speak. And that was, they had actually asked him to put this proposal and I don't know that it was a proposal as more as just information, but was asked to put that forward. Didn't get a chance to do that. And then really, I guess number three, and this is kind of the whole of the matter. They let these kids practice all summer long with certain guidelines. And then they didn't even give them a chance. There was no try. There was no effort. There was just a cancellation of the season. So to me, I think the most absolute disappointing thing was the process in which these kids felt like they were asked to do certain things. They did them. They followed them all summer long. And then they weren't even given a chance, not even given a chance to compete at their sport. And to me, that is the center of this whole thing. And what disappointed me the most about uh, the outcomes that have occurred. You know, we've seen examples over the last three or four months or so of sports being successfully or at least semi-successfully played. Um, And obviously, we're not talking about minors. We're not talking about people under the age of 18. We're talking about professionals that are getting paid a lot of money in some cases to go out and play. There are exceptions to that, and there are some local exceptions to that. The Shrine Bowl was played, uh, you know, a couple of months ago. The NBC World Series was played earlier this month. There have been examples of sports being able to be successfully completed and at least, you know, given an opportunity uh, for those players to get out on the field and play the sport that they love. In this situation, you know, I, I really think that there was just, there was so much confusion and so much uncertainty and nobody knew exactly what to do. And I think in a lot of cases, you know, I'm going to go ahead and throw, you know, the, the board under the bus a little bit here. I think they didn't necessarily want to deal with protocols. They didn't necessarily want to set parameters. They didn't want to set guidelines. They didn't want to say, all right, here's what's going to have to happen for these sports to be played successfully. I think they just said, shut it down. We're just, we're just not going to do it. We're not going to, we're not going to take the risk. We're not going to have the liability on our, on our shoulders. We're just going to go ahead and shut it down. And I think that's really what we're, we're faced with here. And I, I doubt that the board, I seriously doubt the board had any inclination that there would be as big of a backlash as there has been the last week. Tommy, and and I'm going to, this is a perfect time for me to interject because I'm going to probably do the most media thing I've ever done. I was told this last week by someone who I would believe would have the information about this, that there were board members that didn't know when they made that vote that that even canceled sports. And that there were also board members that didn't even know sports had been practicing all summer, which look, I mean, it makes my blood boil and I'm going to give them a quick little break and then I'm going to go right back into this because look, I understand to some degree, this is, this is a position that is not paid, but it is an elected position. You chose to take on this task and by all means, 
you represent a group of people anytime you were voted for and to not do your job the way you were voted to do it is an absolute disgrace in my mind. Now, again, this is if you tell if you would have told me that they did, they did X, Y, Z. They examined this procedure. They examined this you know, protocol and just determined that it wasn't going to be safe. OK, I might disagree with it, but I could live with that. Just every single indication is that that is not what happened. And I think to your point, Tommy, exactly the whole they just didn't want to deal with it. They couldn't have done anything more to show their true color colors than what they did after all the, the players, parents, coaches had pro- pretty much protested all, all week sent thousands and thousands of emails from what I've heard to the, to the board board members and two things. One, they specifically asked for folks to, this was after the second Monday meeting, just so it's just most recent Monday meeting. They specifically asked folks to no longer email the board of education members so that they could get their work done, which pisses me off to no end because that is your damn job is to answer those emails, to be responsive to the people in your, I mean, that just blows my mind that that was even possibly said. And then second, what did they do? They decided to form a COVID task force to look into whether this is, you know, viable and, and it is exactly Tommy, what you said. They're just passing the buck off to someone else. So here's what they can do now. Whatever this COVID task force comes back and says, they can either say, hey, we didn't make this decision. The COVID task force said it wasn't viable to play. Or they can say, oh, they said it was safe to play. So we followed them. And hey, yeah, that, you know, now some there's liability here and there. But it wasn't us. We didn't make that decision, which is just complete, complete BS to me. I mean, I don't know. I, you know, I'm not even in Wichita. I don't have, I have, I think you mentioned the same thing. I don't know anyone playing Wichita high school sports. I do have some coaches that I'm fairly close with, but I I don't have any players. So I don't feel like I, you know, truly have a dog in this fight. And I just think it, it is complete embarrassment. The process in which this board of education went forward for USD 259 and the athletes in, in that district. This whole scenario that's gone on in the last week for USD 259, for Wichita Public Schools, for the players, the coaches, the parents, the board members. This whole situation is a microcosm, and it's it's a microcosm of what is happening in our country today. Now, we're not going to get off on a tangent and talk about overall leadership in this country and talk about the different things that have been put into place as far as mandates and recommendations and so on and so forth. We're not going to dive into that and get into that. We're talking about sports on a local level, but this is a microcosm and an example of what has been happening nationwide, where you have a group of individuals that, and in some cases, I do sympathize with them a little bit in the fact that nobody knows what the hell they're doing. Nobody knows what the right or wrong thing to do is. You know, it's just sort of like, you know, the example I've used is walking through a dark room without a flashlight and hoping that you don't run into anything. That's really what has been happening. But at the same time, you still have to be held accountable for the decisions that you've made as a board of education. Now, I guarantee you there are board members probably on any board, any school board around the country that would say, you know what, at the end of the day, sports are not that important. It's all about the classroom. It's all about the academics, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I'm here to tell you, and I think you would back me up on this, 
sports are an integral part of a young person's development, especially at the high school level. The problem is, is that you've got this board of education that, you know, they, they pass the buck. They have done, you know, these different things, you know, to try to, you know, basically just shut down the, the fall sports season for these kids. And then they just, they're not listening to anything. They're not listening to any rebuttals. They basically have said, this is what we're going to do and leave us alone and shut up and don't email us anymore. That's really disappointing, but in the same way that this is a microcosm of the entire country about how this whole thing has been handled, one other thing that's very similar is that these board members, they hold elected positions, elected offices, and the best thing to do is to elect them, to vote them out, get them out of office. That's the biggest recourse that these parents, and you know what, some of these kids are almost 18, will be 18, just turned 18, the best thing that you can do is vote these people out in the same way that people nationwide, if they don't like the way that this whole crisis has been handled, then they can make a change with their vote on a national level. So I think there are so many parallels between the way that this has been handled locally and the way this whole pandemic has been handled nationally. Yeah, you know, I'm going to echo. I mean, I think you and I are kind of bouncing back and forth. I think we're really on the same page on the way this all played out. Um, But, you know, I want to touch on a topic that I think is important to address because you're right. There are so many people that echo out there. This is just a game. It's just sports. And that might be the case at the professional level and even at the college level, I'd even, which might be the reverse of what people think, but I think it might be even more important at the high school level. It is more than just a game at the high school level. I mean, you truly do. And whether people want to believe it or not, I'm telling you, it is true. You have kids that would not graduate high school if they weren't trying to make grades just to stay on a team. You absolutely have kids that would not go to college if they didn't get to play their senior sports season and get noticed by a recruiter. And this isn't the D1 kids. This isn't the D2 kids even. Those kids, are, they're going to they're gonna be seen. Colleges see that. It's the kid that barely makes it to a JUCO. It's the kid that goes on to play NAI. It's the kid that goes on to play Division Three, that wouldn't otherwise maybe even not even go to college. It, it is bigger than that. And then, you know, I mean, I, truly just, especially at the high school level, you know, it, I don't know. Maybe this makes me sound like an old man, but keeping kids even out of trouble, just giving them something to do that is positive, you know, is so important. And I think that those are things that need to be discussed. And and look, if, if, you know, you as someone who is weighing whether it should or, you know, sports should or shouldn't be played, that's fine. If you think that those certain things maybe shouldn't hold as much weight as others, I completely understand that, but they need to at least be given weight you know, in this discussion, you know, as a whole. And, um, you know, I think there's going to be some other interesting things, things that come out of this. Um, I, I'm, I have a pretty good relationship with uh, coach Mark Marinelli, who is the defensive coordinator at Northwest high school. He was my defensive line coach at Andel. Um, I think he was there three of the four years I was at Andel um, and stayed in, stayed in contact with him ever since. But, you know, he's talked about, he has had eight players, already leave the program or at least told him that they were leaving the program trans trying to transfer out of district uh, to, to go play and, and, you know, get that opportunity to be looked at. And I think that's going to be interesting to see, you know, what happens to, to USC 259. I mean, what kind of repercussions do decisions like this um, have on the, on the district as a whole? I, I mean, I think there's going to be some for sure blowback if, if USC 259 doesn't get this straightened out. 
there are so many ramifications. I mean, you know, so many different things that happen. It's like a the trickle down effect. You make this one big decision and it totally impacts all these other things. And I I want to go back to the the transfer topic here in just a couple of minutes, but you know, you were talking about kids that you know, without sports. And we're not just talking about football here. We're talking about volleyball and track and field and golf and swimming and tennis and, you know, all of these other sports out there that are potentially impacted by this decision, at least the ones, you know, in the fall sports season, you know, and kids that that may not go to college without sports. And I, I, I saw this on uh, KWCH Channel 12 the other day, they did a story and they were talking to uh, a kid by the name of Zaire Adkins, who actually plays at Northwest. He's a, a senior uh, for Northwest. And I just want to read you his quote. Um, it, I, I watched the story. It was so poignant to me that I had to go online and find it. And, and my heart hurts for this kid uh, and, and for others like him. You know, he says, it's been hard because my whole life I've been building, trying to go to college, trying to play football go to the next level. And without that, I don't really know what to do. Um, you know, if he doesn't have the opportunity to play, he might not have the opportunity to go to college. Isn't that the most important thing? But when you're, when you're getting a kid graduated is to get them to the next level. I'm not talking about sports. I'm not talking about playing at the next level. I'm talking about going to the next level. It's about going to college. It's about finding a good job or it's about going to the military. It's about that next step and preparing students for that. And for this particular student, his path was football. That's potentially taken away from him considering he's a senior and he could very well not have a season. How's he going to get recruited? How's he going to make it to college? How's he going to get an education? You know, I'm very critical of the NCAA as a whole. We know this. It's been well documented. What I'm not critical of are kids that are wanting to complete their education, who are wanting to go to the next level and have an opportunity to do something they're good at and do something that's fun for them while also getting an education. I'm, I will always be 100% in support of that. And that's just one of the, the major ramifications that I think that's what's so shameful about this from the Board of Education. You just mentioned a few minutes ago that you know some of them did not even know that the decision that they made would be canceling the fall football season. Look at what that decision is doing. It's, it's, it's insane. It's asinine. And I'm just going to repeat what I said before. The best recourse is to vote those people out. Yeah. It, it, and that's a good, that's a perfect transition into what I wanted to talk about anyways. Cause I think, and, and you kind of mentioned it, but I think t- a second aspect of what's disappointing to me is that, you know, they are elected officials and the, the decisions they made affect people who you know, 98% of those students were probably not, you know, maybe even more than that. were not 18, you know, in time to vote, you know, for the, uh, for actually all those, I guess every single one of those were elected in, I think last year when yeah. I looked up, I think there was four of them coming up in 2022 for reelection. Right. So nobody who is in high school right now would have even had an opportunity to, you know, vote on these people, which, you know, I mean, I get it. I'm not advocating that we need to lower the voting age or anything like that, but the, the frustrating part is that when they, you know, they went about the process of saying, look, we want to be heard. They, they protested. They wanted to have that meeting on Monday. They called the meeting on Monday, you know, and for the board of education to say, okay, well, we'll, we'll have a task force and, and they can make, make a decision or give us a recommendation. 
has got to be so deflating to 14 to 18 year old kids that are being taught and told use your voice you know here's how we do things in this country here is how you know you make yourself heard this is the right way to go about things and they've just got to feel deflated that the process just absolutely let them down that they weren't heard i mean and i will say i mean i, I do want to for any of the those kids that, that listen to this podcast and get a chance to hear what we're saying i mean i, I think you did i don't think i know that you did way more you know, then you can probably process it maybe feels like you didn't get anywhere, but those voices were heard to the fact that, that meeting was called on the Monday. The fact that you even forced a COVID task force, you know, to be put together, that, that is something. And I know it's, you know, right now, as we're sitting here, there's no decisions made and you're still feeling deflected, but you know, you're just, you gotta be positive about at least the small amount of change that, that was made and your voice was heard. And, and without that, I don't think, I don't think if it wouldn't have been for the actual students being involved, if it was just parents, I'm not so sure that the board of education just, you know, puts hands over their ears, covers their eyes and, you know, says, ah, well, you know, whenever we, we said we were going to retalk about this in nine weeks, we'll retalk about it. Then I think they felt the need to be, to answer to the children that they allegedly serve. Right. Well, this is probably, you know, I'm looking at a, a, a macro level here. I'm looking at from 30,000 feet. This is an incredibly transformative time, not just locally, not just regionally, nationally. You know, it's a very transformative time on a variety of issues. You and I were talking about this before we came on the air of just, you know, we're kind of exhausted. There's just, there's so much going on. Um, you know, as we record this, we've got NBA teams and major league baseball teams that are boycotting, you know, due to police violence and police brutality and, you know, for racial justice and all of that, that's all going on as we speak. Um, at a local level, you've got these, these kids that are protesting for a right to play the game that they love and the game that they're good at and the game that they're dedicated to and focused on. They've been practicing for, for the last several months. There, there, there are just so many avenues now that players have for their voices to be heard. You know, Weston, it wasn't that long ago that at a professional level, there were people telling NBA players to shut up and dribble, you know, like we don't want to hear your voice. We don't want to hear what you have to say. Now players, their voices mean something. And I think that that mentality from a professional level has trickled down some to an amateur level. And now you're seeing NCAA players that are standing up and they're they're trying to fight for their causes. You've got, you know, locally here in Wichita, you've got high school students that are using their voice as well. It's an incredibly transformative time. And it's it's all because of, you know, a decision, a short-sighted decision that was made. You know, again, I think we and we've said this a lot on this show, neither one of us are saying that this virus is overblown or it's not something to be taken seriously. It's not something that, you know, there needs to be, you know, different decisions made on. Absolutely it is. But I think that you and I are most disappointed. And you said it before in the process, not in the actual decision. I mean, I think we're disappointed in that, but we're most disappointed in the process in the way that it, the way that it happened. I do have to say, you know, like we talked about, there are so many different ramifications that kind of trickle down from this. And one of them you mentioned just a few minutes ago, and that is uh, players that potentially are trans are going to transfer to other districts or other schools to play their senior season, considering that, you know, there are a lot of schools in the Wichita area, suburban schools, private schools, parochial schools that are still going to be played. 
as of now, uh, there was a story done on Channel 12 where they interviewed a couple of parents, and uh, I want to hear from them. We're going to hear from Eric Hopper is one, and then also uh, Dayla Larson is the other. We're going to hear from both of them about their thoughts and what they're going to do as they're talking about will their kids transfer or not. They've been practicing all summer, and suddenly the rug was pulled out from under him, and he still wants to play. So he said, Dad, I want to go to Goddard. We have called around. We've talked to different schools, both private both out of district. At this point, they're saying if they are sitting in front of a computer at home for seven hours a day and they have no sports to go to at night, that's not acceptable to them. I don't want my kids um, having class in my basement on a computer for eight hours a day and um, not involved in athletics or uh, student council or band or any of those things that they're both involved in. So, and those are just two parents out of probably hundreds of parents, if not more, that are talking about what are they going to do for their students or, or for their kids? Are they going to stick it out? I know that Keisha announced that there's going to be some kind of alternative plan to where, you know, some of these seasons can be made up in the spring for different sports. So do they stick it out? Do they, you know, ride it out and play in the spring or do they transfer and go somewhere else? The one thing that I think is just insane to me is that you've got these public schools in Wichita that are saying, nope, we're not going to do it. It's not safe. But yet it's okay for schools like Bishop Carroll to play and Cave Mount Carmel to play and Andover to play and Mays to play, Goddard. I mean, all the suburban schools, it's okay, but it's not okay if you're in the public school system. What are your thoughts on parents who are, you know, kind of riding that wave of maybe we need to think about our kids transferring out of Wichita public schools. You know, I, I mean, I think that's, I mean, like you can't blame any parent for making a decision for their kid. Right. And I think that it kind of in part, I think that's the other side to this discussion about, look, if the board of education, I feel like, you know, this is maybe my personal opinion that maybe other people don't share, but the board of education in the school district, their job is really to, to, to keep kids safe and, and to provide the things that the school district says they're going to provide, which is both learning and extracurricular and to do that in the safe manner. And then I think, so to me, I think it's the parent's job to say in a situation like this, you know, look, Johnny, I understand Southeast is going to have football this year. We don't feel it's safe for you to play. We don't want you to play and that to be the parents decision, you know? And so I think that kind of comes the same, same way here. Like, you know, I mean, if you don't, if you want your kid to, to carry on and this is more than just, you know, should they be playing a sport or do they have college opportunities? Just like that, that dad said, man, I don't want my kid to, to sit in a basement for eight hours in front of a laptop and then four o'clock rolls around or three 30 and they're then going to do what transition upstairs to the couch to watch TV after school's done. I mean, you know, those are just as serious or, I mean, different levels, I guess, but those are our health concerns or, you know, mental health issue concerns or just parenting concerns that have to be discussed and dealt with. And, and I, I, you know, I can't blame any parent to want for wanting to do that. Um, you know, and I think probably like you mentioned though, with having all these schools surrounding Wichita playing, that has to feel even more deflating for these kids saying you didn't right. even try. I mean, look, look, everybody else is going to give it a go. Why can't we just give it a go? It's not like we're asking to be the one school district in the state of Kansas to play. We're asking to be the one school district in the state of Kansas 
to you know to avoid not playing that that's all we're asking just to be treated like everyone else so I, I think that's really frustrating and you know and I I even remember we we had this conversation kind of as we were looking forward to high school sports and it probably was I don't know probably eight episodes ago now you know and I had kind of mentioned that I I thought that the rural communities were actually going to have an easier time to go forward just because of less cases in the metro um, or less cases than what's going on in, in the Wichita Metro. But I said, I think Wichita is probably going to have the resources to handle it better than, than a rural community. And it, it right, just yeah. feels like, it feels like they're not even, you know, trying to utilize the resources that they have, um, you know, with the process that was put forward here. You know, we've talked about it quite a bit when, you know, in regards to other sports and we talked about it, I think last week about the NCAA and, and the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and, you know, it's liability, right? They, they don't want to be liable for an outbreak on, a, you know, a football squad where half the team goes down and, you know, then they spread it around and, and you know, it's, it's all about liability. It's not about mitigation. It's not about protocols. It's not about let's try to find a way to make it work. It's about avoiding liability. You know, that's really where we stand right now, uh, you know, in this country. And that's that's simply what it is. Back on the transfer note, you know, there are a lot of families that are talking about that, but it's not that simple. You know, if you train, if you actually move your family out of district, it makes it a lot easier. But if you're trying to transfer them to another school where you're not actually in that district, you know, the, the, the player runs the risk of having to set out for an entire year with the Keisha rules. It was USD 259 athletic director Jay Means talking about how it could be kind of tricky for a lot of players to want to transfer. For rule, if you do not make a bona fide move, but you change schools, then you're going to be setting out a, a year. And that rule was just changed to, to come in effect this year. So those are still the policies that are in place from Keisha. You know, the, the thing about this is that I feel like if the, the school board is going to make a decision that the fall sports season is done, they're not even going to try, then they need to appeal to Keisha or Keisha needs to make an emergency declaration waiving that transfer rule, saying that if people want to transfer out, let them transfer out for this one year only because we're not giving them the opportunity to play in their current district. We'll let them go somewhere else. If that doesn't happen and they don't waive that for this particular circumstance, then that's, that's egregious. In my opinion, I would be a total advocate for that. I agree with you. And given the circumstances that we're in, I absolutely would want that to be in place. But if that happens now, USD 259's poor decision, poor process is going to start affecting other players in other districts. I mean, I, you know, I would feel for the kid who has worked his butt off you know, to just be good enough to maybe play as a senior. And now, you know, a kid from Northwest who's a stud, maybe played four years in Northwest and is just going to miss out on his, his transfers in and starts over a kid. And I mean, and I certainly wouldn't suggest that that shouldn't happen given the circumstances, but now it's, boy, this is starting to have ramifications to, you know, USC 267 and you're talking Bishop right. Carroll, you're talking, you know, other schools now that are are feeling the effects of, of a kid who misses his senior season because of this. So, Given the circumstances, I'm still with you. I think that, you know, you should give a kid an opportunity to go play. And then maybe I guess, you know, at that point, it's probably going to be on on coaches of, of these schools to say, look, you know, you're a fantastic player. We, we'd love to have you. 
I can't guarantee you're starting, but at least, you know, at least you're here and have the opportunity to play. Um, but, you know, I got to give it to my guy who's, you know, been with our program for four years, but you, but you also realistically know that's, that's not going to happen. There are going to be kids who then miss out on their senior seasons because so-and-so transferred in and, and lost his spot. So, um, you know, just poor, uh, ramifications trickle down from, from all of this all across the board. And I, I mean, I think the, best case scenario right is that next monday they say okay we've been given the the protocols and we're going to go ahead and green light this i think that's really the only way out of the situation um i think the scheduling can be fixed for sure you know that feels pretty minor at this point um just to be able to get back and and correct it and, and try to work something out from there it was a week ago we were talking about that the city league, they were just going to play league opponents and that's it. Yeah. You know, that was, that was one week ago and here's where we are seven days later. I mean, you know, I, I would love to know, I'd love to be a fly on the wall with uh, area schools and maybe some that are even located in Wichita, Bishop Carroll, Caping, Collegiate, Independent, you know, some of these other schools and then even suburban schools to see if they've, how many phone calls they've gotten from parents who are looking to transfer their kids in. You know, I guarantee you that there are families that are saying, look, I want my son or my daughter to play their senior year of whatever sport it is. We can, we can try to afford the tuition for collegiate for one, for one year, you know, to have them be able to play their sport. And then we're done. You know, like I can see that happening quite a bit. The final thing I'm going to, to, to mention, and I, I want to leave this with you and, and with our listeners out there. And it kind of puts a, a kind of a sad bow, I think, on this entire situation before we move on. How many times, Weston, have you heard over the course of your life in the time that you followed NFL football? Have you heard professional football players, or you know what, let's even broaden it out and say athletes in general, professional basketball players, professional baseball players, professional athletes in general. How many times have you heard them say, if it wasn't for sports, I would have joined a gang. I would be in jail. I would be dead. It happens all the time. Sports is that avenue for these people for these players to be able to stay out of trouble. I'm not super concerned. I'm not as concerned about if let's say Andover tomorrow canceled their season. I'm not super concerned about someone in an affluent suburban neighborhood staying out of trouble. They might get into some trouble. I'm most concerned about those players in the inner city urban community that don't have that avenue anymore, what path are they going to go down? It's, you know, you mentioned a couple of minutes ago that, you know, surely there are parents that are concerned about their kid doing school on their laptop all day and then laying on the couch and watching TV and that's not good. and, and, And I totally agree with you, but let's take it a step further. This is incredibly detrimental to the potential and to the health and to the safety of these high school students that may not have any other positive reinforcement anywhere in their life. And now it's gone. It's completely gone. That I think is the biggest ramification from all of this. And this is, and that's something that I hope and I pray that the board of education thinks about when they, when they make their next decision, when they have their next meeting. Yeah, I think you, I think you ended that perfectly where I want to end it too. And, and two things I want to touch on one. So exactly like you said, I, I think, on a much broader discussion, there is already 
uh, I mean, discussions being had about inner city schools. And this is not just about the athletics. It's just about inner city schools, you know, struggling because of, you know, folks wanting to move to the suburbs where the school districts always tend to be better. Small things like this do have ripple effects to continue to make that problem worse. And I am just talking about school, not sports, not even necessarily the kids in it. I'm talking about the school district itself. If you are not providing what the parents of those children want, they're no longer going to stay in your school district. And those tax dollars leave. And then the, the, the money that you're already struggling with within your district becomes a whole lot tighter when you don't have taxpayers in that district because they want their kids to be in a better environment in, the, in you know, wherever that other school district may be. Um, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, you know, a lot of people use the term rural flight to talk about people leaving small towns. I think it's urban flight too. I mean, people are leaving, you know, those environments where they can go 15 or 20 minutes away and have a much better environment for their families. And that's completely a different topic than just sports, but it does, it does tie in for sure. Right. Okay. So, and then here's where, where I want to end it as well, because we are completely on the same page on this, Tommy. And and to me, this is the most disappointing thing. And, and I think the frustrating thing, and then where I would like to see it go forward is everything that we talked about. And, and you mentioned, you know, Hey, I just hope the board of education takes this into consideration when they're making future decisions. That right there has been our problem. That right there is what you and I don't like is this process. If they had gone through all of this, there had been folks able to come in from day one and, and, present their case. You know, you had the board of education said, okay, we hear you. Now we're going to go to so-and-so doctor to talk about what he thinks about the safety of, of football, what he thinks about the safety of volleyball, you know, and then had coaches come in and say, okay, we hear that we can do this. We can do that. Look, I, to be honest, I don't know if we can do that. I don't know if that's realistic. If all that had been, that conversation had been in front of everyone, and then the board of education said, look, we just don't think it's viable. I could live with that. I would yeah. still, you know, my own personal opinion is I would probably still disagree with it, but I could live with it. I mean, I feel like these kids didn't even get that opportunity. And so that's where I think the perfect place to, to kind of move away from this discussion is, you know, you and I are both in the same sentiment that we, we hope all these voices, all these concerns have now been heard, at least to some degree. And that is at least taken into consideration when this next decision comes down Monday, along with whatever this COVID task force comes up with, because there's more than just, you know, whether a game of football or a game of volleyball can be played in September of 2020. There's more than just that to be considered here. Yeah. If I was a parent and, uh, you know, I had a, a son or a daughter that wanted to play their sport and it got canceled and they were devastated and I was told they can play, but there can be no fans to show up. I would say that's fine. Absolutely. As long as they can play, that's all that matters to me. I don't have to be there. Um, there, there are so many other things that, that go into consideration. And, you know, you and I have been, we've given impassioned speeches and, and rants about things on this show before we've been in disagreement with each other about them. Uh, but you and I are in lockstep with this and I'm not sure that we've been as impassioned about anything else on this program. Uh, you know, I tweeted it, um, a few days ago, 
Um, and I think you, you mentioned it a, a little bit ago. Uh, I don't have any kids. Uh, I don't even know any Wichita high school athletes. I'm not involved in that world at all. I don't have a dog in the fight, uh, but my heart hurts for them. My heart hurts for their families. My heart hurts for the coaches, uh, for anybody that has a vested interest in that. Uh, my heart hurts for them. And, you know, we've talked about this for 40 minutes uh, on this program. And and uh, I think we probably could have talked about it for longer, but uh, we're, we're definitely on the same page. And our thoughts go out to uh, those those athletes who don't get a chance to play. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Well, absolutely. That's all I was going yep. to add. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, let's go ahead and move on. Let's talk a little bit about Kansas City Royals. Uh, we have been talking about them the last few weeks and kind of giving recaps about how the week has gone. And it's again, it's kind of been an up and down, inconsistent week. Not a whole lot has changed with Kansas City from last week to this week. They had kind of a disappointing series, I think you would say, over the weekend against the Minnesota Twins. However, right. They came from behind and won a really exciting game on Tuesday night against the Cardinals in the I-70 series. Brad Keller pitched another pretty good game. Uh, the, the bats came alive at the end, and, and the Royals were able to get the win 5-4. to four. They stand, I believe, aren't they 11-17 and 17 or 12-17? and 17? I, Somewhere yeah. around there. Uh, how would you assess the first half of the season for Kansas City? Are you going to stick with your phrase of just they're inconsistent? Yeah, gosh, I just I have to continue to echo that that method and or that message because I I just feel like they have proven 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 time again. I mean, you know, they lose two to three to the Twins, then they you know split with the Cardinals. Now game three is is going on right now, but you know they're beating good good baseball teams and they're losing to good baseball teams. They're beating bad baseball teams and they're losing to bad baseball teams. I mean you know, it just continues to be, and even it almost seems like on an individual player level, maybe minus Whit Merrifield and, and, you know, a few guys in the bullpen, you've seen hot bats, you've seen cold bats, you've seen, you know, good pitching, you've seen bad pitching. Uh, in particular, one guy I do want to point out because Tommy, I think you called him out on the last episode was Jorge Soler. He's been hitting the cover off the baseball ever since yeah, old Tom, yeah. Tommy Caster said he couldn't, wasn't hitting very well. So he, yeah. he's had a nice little turnaround and, um, you know, one thing, one assessment, if you want to look at or just have the conversation is, you know, how does this team compare to last year's team? I think anybody who's been watching can clearly see this baseball team is definitely better. I think they definitely played a, t- a tougher schedule, but the talent is is by far and away, you know, greater on, on this year's team than it, than it was on the on the past, I guess, really two years where they've lost a hundred, a hundred games, you know, and I, and I think the biggest reason why too, and it, it, it seems pretty clear is, you know, the bullpen this year has just been so much better than it has last year. And this is, I'm going to give a shout out to, to Alec Lewis, who writes for the athletic. He tweeted this out on, on Twitter. Um, the Royals bullpen in late slash close situations in 2019 in 137, 137 innings pitched, they had a 6.64 ERA um, and walked 76 batters and only struck out 136. In 2020, wow. in 2020, in late slash close situations, which I don't exactly know what the criteria is for that, but either way, as long as it's the same, it doesn't matter. So in 2020, and this is only in 27 innings, pit, innings pitched, they have a 1.98 ERA. 
And, it's a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, the the strikeout to walk ratio is about the same. But I mean, just even the e, the ERA right there is just enough to let you know how different they are. They've got some power arms back in the bullpen, and and one guy who I think we're probably going to talk about a little bit is uh, who's done well is Trevor Trevor Rosenthal, who you know closed the door on on that Cardinals win the other night against his uh, former team. Yeah, you know, you mentioned this Royals team, you know, your assessment is that they're better than they were this year. And the stats back that up too. At the halfway point last year, obviously it's comparing apples and oranges because you played 162 games a season ago. But at the halfway point last year, uh, the Royals were, um, they only won 28 games in the first half of the season last year. They're 12 and 18 right now. They're only four games out of a playoff spot. They're actually pacing better than the 2019 Royals did. On top of that, like you mentioned, they've played a really tough schedule. Uh, they've played a lot of really good baseball teams. In fact, 22 of the Royals' 30 games have been against teams that have a winning record. So for the fact that they've been able to get out of the first season or the first half of the season at 12 and 18 against uh, you know some really good baseball teams, I think is encouraging for the future for sure. But as you mentioned, it, it, there's just there's a lot of inconsistency. You just don't know what you're going to get from night in to night out. You know, we saw the the Royals offense come alive on Tuesday night against the Cardinals. They had kind of the bats had kind of laid dormant for a few nights before that. So, you know, it just from one night to another, you're not really able to see, you know, the Royals really string together, um, you know, a long stretch of wins. That's what you're going to need to see for the second half of the season for sure. Speaking of the second half of the season, the trade deadline is coming up in just a few days from now. There's been a lot of conversations about what the Royals should do. Actually, a lot of conversations nationally about what every team should do, if any team should do anything at the trade deadline, considering how weird of a season it's been so far. With your assessment, considering the Royals are 12 and 18, they're only four games out of the second wildcard spot. Again, it expanded playoffs this year. Should the Royals be buyers? Should they be sellers? Or should they just completely do nothing and just kind of stamp at? You know, I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna definitely start on the fence here because I honestly think that there isn't a wrong answer here. Because of the situation they're in, I can completely understand, it, you know, if they want to stand pat and just see where they can go. At the same time, you know, to sell a piece like Trevor Rosenthal, who's the name that keeps getting thrown, thrown around quite a bit, completely understand. I mean, short of you know, trading away someone who potentially could be part of the future, but you know, that, that just doesn't happen, you know, even not in short seasons. Um, you know, I, I think that really that I could see them going either way. And I guess the other aspect of potentially them being buyers, I don't see that happening, but just to give you some perspective in a quick side note here, Tommy, doesn't it feel weird that we only have about a month of baseball left? Yeah, in the, it's in crazy. The, in the race, it feels like we just started and we've got, I mean, games are only scheduled through September and then in the playoffs. Um, but the last, so starting September 11th, the Royals play the Pi- Pirates who are dead last. And I think they're, the, are they the NL Central? Whatever division they're in, yeah. they're in dead last. They play the Tigers who are the only team, in my opinion, in the AL Central who stink. The AL Central is solid with the, the Tigers, Indians, and, uh, Twins, all fantastic ball clubs up there at the top. But they got the t- they have the Tigers. Then they have the Brewers, who have been you know pretty hot and cold. They've got the Cardinals again, and then they end the season with four games against the Tigers. So 
they've got a schedule that could be favorable to really make a little run if, you know, if they wanted to. So I could almost even understand if they wanted to be buyers with that being said, I absolutely do not anticipate them doing this, but I would be disappointed if they sold off any major, you know, prospects to try to bring someone in for this season. I don't think we're there or, you know, I don't think what we've seen so far warrants that, but more than likely, I think they probably either sell Trevor Rosenthal or they just stand pat and say, Hey, look, you know what? We're probably not getting much out of Trevor Rosenthal for, you know, half of a half of a half of a season. Essentially, no one's going to give up too much for him. So at this point, we'd rather just ride it through and Hey, maybe we can, you know, see what we can, we can get ourselves into here. Yeah. The Royals, I'm, I'm on the same page with you. They, they absolutely should not be buyers. The reason for that is because they don't really need to do a whole lot more to make the playoffs. Now they're four games out, but at the same time, I think the Royals could conceivably have a losing record and make the playoffs. And then all bets are off at that point. Everything kind of resets again. Uh, so I don't think you need to really be adding to this team uh, for that reason. I especially wouldn't be mortgaging the future for a handful of games to try to make an expanded playoffs in a really odd year. I wouldn't do that at all. I wouldn't trade any of your, your farm pieces away, your prospects away. Uh, I think that's the wrong move. And I don't think the Royals will do that at the same time. It wouldn't surprise me one bit if the Royals decided to be aggressive sellers. You know, I know Trevor Rosenthal's name has come up quite a bit. And yeah, I, I would, I would imagine he's probably the most likely trade candidate for Kansas city. But I think that there are some other names that they could potentially consider. One of them is Greg Holland. You know, I think that there are some teams out there, especially those who are going to try to be making a late season push uh, that need some bullpen help big time. Greg Holland has kind of shown a flash of resurgence and he's not a player that's going to be around the Royals organization for a long time to come. So why not move him? Why not ship him away? Uh, I could see that happening for sure. Then another player that uh, you know, I think you would probably disagree with me on and that you probably are going to roll your eyes and say I'm crazy is I'm going to throw out Whit Merrifield as a potential trade target. And the reason for that is just simply because he's not going to be around for when the Royals are going to be in their prime with their young guns. He's 31 years old. Um, he might be around for the first couple of years of it, but he, they can definitely get a lot of value out of him. And while I don't necessarily know if he's going to be moved this season for the Royals, I can certainly see him being moved in the future for sure. You know, so I'm, I'm going to surprise you a little bit. I actually would not be necessarily against moving Witt. I think the return for Whit Merrifield would be worth going ahead and moving him. But with the exception of, I wouldn't want to move him this year if you don't think you can get the kind of haul in a normal season that he would pull, right? I mean, because if sure. you have to sell him essentially at a discount, then that just doesn't make any sense to me to move him. But otherwise, you know, I, I think you're right. And I, to me, it's not even quite necessarily, you know, about his about his age. Um, you know, he's he's under contract till 2023 with the Royals. So that is actually, you know, a, a decent length of, of time left. And, and really, I think to me, if you think that, look, they could slide in to the, to the playoffs this year now with the losing record. And I get that's a whole weird situation, but if you, if you think they can slide in this year, 
you know, by all means, you got to be thinking, hey, look, at least you got to be having conversations about can this young group come together in, in 2021 or 2022? And at that point, you still got Wet Millerfield on the roster. I mean, I think that's a no-brainer. So to me, if they think that the, the team, this this group that they have is one or two more young guys of being ready away, which it's kind of seeming like some of the young pieces are, you know, it's some of the older guys that are struggling, not some of the younger guys. Now, again, people are sick of me saying this has been the inconsistency from the young guys. But if you think that young group is getting dang close, I think you hang on to Whit Merrifield because two more seasons of Whit Merrifield may put you into the playoffs with a good run in two years from now. And then if you lose him, that's okay because he helped you make that playoff run in 2022 or 2023. The other thing that wouldn't surprise me at all is if the Royals and for that matter, every team just decides to not do anything because of how strange everything has been. So uh, the trade deadline will come and go in a few days and we'll keep our eyes open to see what goes on with the Royals. We're running out of time here on the show. We're going to run very quickly through some Chiefs news, considering we are getting closer and closer to the season. A couple of personnel moves. First off, we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago on the program that Mike Pinnell more than likely was going to be facing some kind of suspension uh, for the Chiefs. Uh, Steve Spagnola mentioned that a couple of weeks ago. Turns out he will be suspended the first two games of the season. How big of an issue is that for Kansas City? Pretty much not. I I don't think it's an issue at all. I mean, I think he's a great player, and everybody has heard me many times say how much I like uh, big Mike Pinnell. But, I mean, two games, in my opinion, the defensive line is is one of the – positions that has the most depth on the team and they can certainly especially the nature of that position rotating guys in packaging you can move guys all over the field to kind of make up for a guy who really was only rotating in any ways um it sounds like uh from from what i read i think he was suspended for um I mean, I'm going to use the term performance enhancing a banned substance anyways he pretty much apologized said that he didn't know how it got into his system, but he takes full, you know, he said, but Hey, I, I am supposed to be responsible for that. Um, so that's on me. I apologize, but you know, doesn't know what it was. And I, you know what, to some degree, especially if it's only two games, I wouldn't be surprised if whatever the details were probably was something that may show up in, you know, some of these sports performance, you know, creatine mixed with other, obviously it's the other things. Creatine's fine. I'm not trying to suggest that he was just taking creatine, but you know, all these, you know, max performance type supplements are taking, you just got to be careful. And I think probably that seems to be what happened. So the chiefs will be without Mike Pinnell for the first two games of the season. And of course, Bashad Breland has been suspended for the first four games of the upcoming season for Kansas city. Another personnel move. The chiefs have signed former dolphin safety, Adrian Colbert to a one-year deal. Um, I'm assuming that this is primarily just for depth at that position. Um, I, I don't, you know, is he a player that can come in and make an impact for Kansas city? You know, I, I mean, I, I don't know a lot about him. I was just kind of looking a little bit up on him before the show. It looks like he, you know, spent uh, last year in Miami and the two years before that in San Francisco. Um, you know, he started five games for Miami, started six games uh, a piece in both the years he was in San Francisco. You know, probably not, probably just a depth piece. You know, maybe a, I'm sure probably a special teams guy. You know, a safety position is a a good position that can kind of be a jack of all trades on your special team. So I think you're always kind of looking there. Um, you know, with that being said, you know, I still think this idea of Tyran Matthew potentially playing in the nickel some while Bashad Breland's out, 
you know, this may kind of lend more credence to that, that they are looking for a couple uh, of guys to provide depth safety, knowing they may have to use, uh, you know, the honey badger in the, in the nickel or potentially all over the field. I, I think the guy's talented enough. He could probably play true corner if, if you needed him to, I don't think that's the ideal situation, but you know, I think that Adrian Col- Colbert could be part of uh, that scenario as well. It's a little surprising to me that the transaction they made was to sign a safety considering I don't think, you know, obviously there are issues. Bashad Breland is suspended and all of that. But if I was going to sign, you know, a player, I would sign a cornerback. I wouldn't sign a safety. There's a lot of depth at safety, but uh, you know, clearly there's something there that, uh, that we don't know about that the chiefs thought they needed uh, this guy to come in and, and, uh, and contribute this upcoming season for Kansas city. So uh, that's the, the big interesting signing for a big interesting uh, signing for Kansas city coming up is Adrian Colbert signed to a one-year deal. The other chiefs news that we could probably talk about a lot longer. We're not going to touch on it though, but uh, it's worth mentioning is that last week, the chiefs did announce that they are going to be prohibiting any kind of native American imagery at arrowhead. That includes headdresses. It includes face paint that resembles any sort of native American face painting. uh, And that they're also going to be re, evaluating the tomahawk chop for the future your thoughts on this move by kansas city uh predictable you know i think we kind of all thought that might be the the approach they take uh, you know to kind of i don't know silence some of the discussion about whether they're the whole team name and the stadium name is appropriate that's kind of just seems and also probably should have been fairly predictable for all of us that they do it in a year when there's going to be limited fans kind of an easy way right. to, to ease it in it gets honestly this probably would have been big news in 2019 had they made the decision in 2020 that is a small little glimpse of news that nobody even i don't think really focused on so uh not not really surprising at, at all it could easily be a slippery slope, though. So definitely something to keep our eyes on. If the imagery is the first to go, then maybe this time next year we're talking about a you know change in the stadium name or a change in the team name. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't advocate for that, but um, you never know in today's day and age. You know, things like that could happen. But that uh, is the big news from Kansas City is that uh, for this upcoming season, no more Native American imagery uh, in the stadium for fans that are there. Real quick, I'll add the one other uh, interesting Chiefs news is Mark Donovan said today that they are working on making Arrowhead a polling place for the upcoming elections, which I, I mean, I think is absolutely brilliant. And I'm surprised more and yeah. maybe they have and I just haven't heard it because I'm obviously just locked in on Kansas City stuff. But um you know, having big outdoor venues like that available to set up to do polling when we're worried about people being inside. I mean, I think that makes a, a ton of sense. So I hope they get that worked out and that would be uh, pretty cool of the chiefs to be willing to host something like that. Yeah. I had not heard that. That's a pretty cool deal. If uh, they're able to make that happen, let's very quickly get into our Wichita whip around here on keeper of the games. We started the show talking about sports being canceled in Wichita. We're going to wrap up the show by talking about sports being canceled in Wichita, this time at the college level, as the American Athletic Conference announced that the spring sports season will be postponed until 2021. So that means volleyball, and specifically that means Wichita State University volleyball will be postponed until the spring of 2021. Now here's the deal. I think for a lot of schools and a lot of programs, There's not a ton of focus on volleyball, 
especially schools that have pretty dominant football programs. Mm -hmm. But at Wichita State, volleyball by far is the most popular fall sport on campus because there's not a football team. So there are a lot of people that go to Charles Koch Arena to watch volleyball and that the Shocker volleyball team play. They're not going to have an opportunity to do so this year. Yeah, I mean, I I, I do I, I love that they're at least able to, to kind of go ahead and start forming that plan for spring. I think a sport like volleyball does, you can move it to a different season a little bit easier than you can football or some of these other sports that, you know, need weather and a short turnaround type thing that doesn't quite correspond. So, um, you know, obviously incredibly disappointing that you don't have that in the fall, but at least it looks like those, those you know, young women are still going to have that opportunity to, to play in the spring and hopefully everybody can go out and enjoy then. You got to wonder though, if they move it to the spring, how is that going to be able to work out with Shocker basketball? Assuming that's going to go yeah. on as scheduled in the same location. I mean, there there are going to be a lot of scheduling issues. I think moving forward. I mean, the fact that we've pushed everything back so far, yeah. and you know, all of this. I think there. I think you're going to be looking at some potential issues uh, with with the fact that this is going to be rescheduled to the spring of 2021. It's not just women's volleyball; it's also men's and women's soccer that the American conference announced that they're going to be postponing until the spring of 2021. So it's not just the volleyball, uh, you know, teams in that conference. It's also men's and women's soccer. I would imagine, I mean, my opinion is super predictable. We talked about predictable quite a bit. We kind of know that's what's going to be happening. I think, uh, in a lot of cases, and I think you'll probably be seeing a lot more of that come down. Yeah. I mean, like, like you said, I mean, I think that it kind of is predictable, especially as we've talked a hundred times about some of the smaller conferences in American, you know, it sits outside the power five, as I think is a pretty well-rounded, respectable, good size, good funded conference. Um, but you know, still just, you know, especially a sport like volleyball, soccer doesn't have the funds to kind of, to make things or try to make things work in the fall. And I mean, we've already seen kind of where everything's fallen outside the Power Five and even within the Power Five. So uh, pretty predictable, I think. Yep. So that's the big news for Wichita State volleyball fans that uh, their season will be postponed until the spring of 2021, as announced by the American Athletic Conference. That is our Wichita whip around here today on Keeper of the Games. And a quick shout out, by the way, uh, we didn't really get a chance to talk about it much, but a quick shout out to Sporting KC, who uh, we haven't talked about at all on this program. <laughs> yeah. but they played their their first game back. Uh, on the pitch. That's the right term, right? They that played is on the right. Pitch. There you go. Um, there in Kansas City last night. Uh, they did not win, but they had fans in attendance, which is pretty awesome. Uh, and so Sporting KC, shout out to them for getting back to action. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Sporting Park is, uh, or ch- I think it's uh, Children's Mercy, is is a fantastic venue. Uh, so excited to see people kind of back in stands. And hopefully that kind of is a little, you know, model for the people moving forward of, hey, look, we can do this. We got to be smart, but we can do this moving forward. Absolutely. And uh, before we wrap up the show and uh, and move things uh, move things out, we do want to give a quick, you know, mention. Um, I doubt we have a lot of listeners that are down in this area, but for people that have friends and family down in Texas and Louisiana, obviously Hurricane Laura looks to be a really big deal. By the time this episode drops, the hurricane will make landfall. They're saying Category Four right now. You know, definitely a really big deal. Uh, so, of course, our thoughts and prayers go out to uh, everybody down there impacted in that region. It seems like. Just one bad thing after another keeps happening in 2020. Yeah, if we could just uh, move along to 2021, I think we'd all uh, just prefer that. I, it, 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 
I don't know. I mean, it's, it, you know, it seems like a lot of mental, uh, mental things for, you know, me personally, cause I'm not, you know, I have not been affected personally by a lot of the things going on, but boy, you know, it's just, I think wearing down on a lot of us just to continue to hear, you know, the negativity. And, and I don't mean that someone is pushing it one way or the other, just, you know, tough story after tough story coming out. And, and I think we're all just ready for a little bit more, uh, normalcy in our lives. Well, now's the time for community for sure and yeah. uh, to come together for sure. So uh, thoughts and prayers go out to all of those impacted by uh, that hurricane that's going to be making landfall um, here in the next few hours from the time of this recording. So uh, thoughts go out to them. That's going to wrap things up for Keeper of the Games here this edition on National Dog Day. Uh, don't forget to hit subscribe. That way you'll get a notification anytime we have a brand new episode of the podcast. That way you know whenever we have a, a new show and you can listen to it right there, you'll get a notification on your phone. You can listen on platforms like iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Of course, you can watch full episodes on YouTube and on Facebook uh, and also on our website, cogpod.weebly.com. And of course, you can find Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at COGPOD. That's at K-O-G pod. It's kind of hard to give that closing when I'm scratching my dog's ear right now. <laughs> um, but uh, but no, uh, definitely connect with us any way that you can. And of course, you can connect with us individually. Weston, what's your Twitter handle? At WMills94. All right. And you can hit me up at Tweets from Tommy. Until next time, uh, you have been listening to Keeper of the Games for Miley, for Lucy, for Weston Mills. I'm Tommy Castor. We'll see you later. Take care, guys. You've been listening to Keeper of the Games with Tommy Castor and Weston Mills. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and listen on all major podcast platforms like iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Find the podcast and videos on Facebook and YouTube at Keeper of the Games and follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at COGPOD. That's K-O-G-POD. 